You are listening to EE Times On Air, and this is EE Times Current. I'm Eric Singer. Today's podcast is sponsored by Synopsys, powering the new era of smart everything from silicon to software. Today, we have Shaker Kapoor, Senior Director of Product Line Management at Synopsys. Shaker outlines the industry's shift to multi-die systems, challenges companies must consider, and how multi-die solutions can provide success in a competitive industry. But first, the latest EE Times headlines. EdgeQ will debut its first commercial chip, designed for 5G private networks to support compute and connectivity in parallel. Earlier generations of AIM Futures NPUIP are already shipping in LG's consumer white goods, including robot vacuum cleaners. Intel has maintained the capex necessary to achieve its five nodes in four years, while making capacity cutbacks in 2022 and this year. Find all these stories and more on eetimes.com. If you are on this episode's webpage, there are direct links to these articles. Subscribe to EE Times On Air and EE Times Current by clicking the subscribe button at the top of today's episode page or searching EE Times On Air on all the major podcast platforms. Shaker Kapoor is Senior Director of Marketing at Synopsys, responsible for multi-die system design and digital platform. He has over 20 years of professional experience managing the design, realization, and sign-off products at Synopsys. Prior to that, he had leading design and application engineering roles at LSI Logic, now Broadcom, and IBM. Shaker holds an MS in Electrical and Computer Engineering from Virginia Tech and an MBA from the Haas School of Business, the University of California at Berkeley. Shaker, thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to talk with you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we're going to cover one of the hottest topics in the industry right now. That's multi-die systems. Tell us about how you see this particular inflection point in the semiconductor industry and what's happening to the chips that are in the devices that we're all using every day. So I think we're at a very exciting time in the semiconductor industry. In essence, if I were to describe it as a moment when good is becoming can, when we are able to enable a whole new class of technologies and build products that can extend the existing markets and open up actually new opportunities. Let me explain a little bit about what does that actually mean and most importantly, what's driving it. The fundamental driver, if I may, is our insatiable thirst for knowledge, for information, which really translates to the data. And our pension to continue to innovate and make things smarter and faster to achieve our goals. So to date, we had a stunningly successful run with the instrument that we had, which is the Moore's Law, the device scaling that came out of it and the monolithic chip design. But as we all know, we're extracting less and less mileage out of this. Monolithic designs are getting too big, they're yielding not that well, and the cost is increasing. We are actually venturing into even smaller geometries, which folks might have read about, which are the angstrom technologies. Smaller geometries, a new era is emerging in that sense, but it's still harder to extract the scaling and the performance that we desire. So now, there's always been another path, another instrument, the multi-die integration, but it's long sitting in the wings due to many challenges that were out there. 
Foremost, we had manufacturing feasibility issues, technology readiness was a concern, and workflow availabilities, etc. It has been there. It serviced some very high-end markets, some niche applications, and that is exactly what is changing. That's the inflection point, really. The multi-die technology now is coming of age. So it's finally what we see is making the move from the fringes to the mainstream and going back to, you know, it's the technology that could, now is becoming can and is unleashing a whole new possibilities. So when we talk about, you know, what can we realize now with it, you know, that brings to the second part of your question that you asked, Rich. Yeah. What are we seeing in the devices, everyday devices that we are all around us and that we are using? There are many examples where this technology is showing up and enabling great, you know, performances uh, and offering a lot. Yeah. Can you give us some examples? Yes, right. So one, one example actually, which comes to mind is Apple iPhone 15, which is yet to come out, is reported to have this very high state-of-the-art CMOS image sensor. And I believe it's being manufactured by Sony. That device is going to be basically a new evolution of the camera technology. It is a multi-layer device which leverages these new critical 3D stack technology, which means that it has, it can pack more photodiodes, more transistors, essentially more, much more power into that little device. And what we will see, how will we discern it, is really much sharper picture, much clearer pictures, almost real lifelike pictures. That's such an incredible example because it, it addresses all of those challenges that you alluded to earlier a smaller geometry, a need for lower power consumption, and yet we're packing all of these new features into that, which would have been unthinkable a few years ago, yeah? Exactly. You know, the space is a concern in a mobile device like this. Mm. And it's, these are very tiny miniature devices inside this already shrinking space. So how do you, you know, how do you get the maximum power into it? You're really stacking it up. Going vertical is opening up a lot of possibilities. Using this 3D stacked vertically integrated technology, you are able to power, include much more power into it, all these photodiodes, transistors that, that I mentioned, and get much more performance also out of it. That's one example. And talking about performance, there's another one all around us, and if you happen to drive a Tesla, you know, it has all this autopilot system, the AI enabled technology. A lot of this AI driven automation technology is, requires a lot of training and optimization. And that's being done by all these high-performance compute systems, which are petaflops of performance and compute power that they have. And they're also leveraging this multi-die technology. In this case, there's a technology called fan-out wafer, which is really enabling you to put lots of these chips and dies or chip layers, whatever you call it, all together into this one platform. And that can really be used to do these petaflops of computing. And not only that, there are many other examples that you hear. Intel's Pontevecchio is an exascale compute and AI system. AMD has this 3D vCache technology, which is 3D again, vertical technology, which is available for the gaming as well as the data servers. All of these are leveraging multi-die advances. You cannot achieve the kind of performance that you're looking for, the kind of functionality, unless you have you know, scale that you can work with. And multi-die technology is providing the scale and the performance. All these technologies actually is in the background most of the time, in the data centers far away that you don't even see. Mm. 
but that's enabling all these advances and, you know, in our daily lives. We're all very common with, very awfully familiar with Alexa. It's an AI chatbot. You can talk to it, it'll chat back to you, it'll answer and sometimes even annoy. And lately you've heard a lot about the chat GPT, which is a generative AI technology. You know, it can write and block for you. How do you do that? You know, how do you really put so much capability out there? There's software, a lot of advances in the software, but it's all enabled by the hardware and multi-die technologies is really enabling that hardware. So you can see over there are lots and lots of examples how it is creeping into our daily lives through all these devices. It's automotive or consumer devices. And so we see multi-die technology behind the scene touching us in many ways. And I think it's only going to grow as more and more use cases spawn out. You're going to see many more new products built around leveraging the multi-die technology. It's absolutely staggering how wide that range is of products that are already being enhanced by this technology. Could you walk us through what the different components of a multi-die system versus traditional monolithic SOC architecture would be? Sure. If you look closely, end of the day, the main difference is really about the scale and makeup of the system. So as we know, in everything in monolithic SOC is essentially on the same process technology. So in that sense, it's homogeneous with respect to the process technology. It's the one size which must fit all kind of situation. Mm-hmm. In a multi-die system, we remove that constraint. So now everything that goes into it, all the different components that go into it can potentially be at a different process node or a technology variant which is most optimal for it or which is, you know, does the task at hand. That is, in other words, in a multi-die environment, we can create a system with many different dies or chiplets. They all potentially could be on a different process technology to really achieve this highest level of optimality and both with respect to the performance as well as the cost. And this individual pieces, you know, which we are often called dies or the chiplets, they could come from a larger monolithic function or a design to begin with, you know, you can disaggregate the design or you can aggregate and integrate all these together, what we commonly call the heterogeneous integration technology. So you can really build the entire system, multi-die system, by having these pieces together, which are from different technologies versus monolithic SOS in which it all has to be in one technology. Another interesting difference is the flexibility that multi-die design provides in the sense that you can configure and connect all these different disparate functions and pieces that I talked about, really taking advantage of the extra dimension that you have. Now you can go vertically, right? Hmm. Or you can expand even more sideways. And in addition to that, you have new connectivity mediums that are available, new interfaces that are available. So what are these configurations that are possible with new flexibility? in comparison to the monolithic SOCs. You can go full 3D stacking. You have all these pieces, you can stack them right vertically on top of each other. This is this concept of you can go face to face or you can go face to And you know, there are all these glue technologies like micro bumps, very highly miniaturized bumps, TSVs, which are the through silicon VRs, all that is available today to be able to get to this 3D stacking. So manufacturing has progressed a lot in that sense and so have the designs to enable that. Second option is, if you don't know what to go for 3D stacking, you can go 2.5D, where you place them side by side and then connect them through a, another tile layer below called interposers. 
And you can actually even go crazier. You can do mix and match. Some of hmm. these things could be played side by side and some of it could be stacked. So you get much more configuration architecture possibilities using the multi-day architecture, which, which in essence really means you can do a much denser integration for the goals that you have in mind. I can see how so many possibilities would start to open up once you take that modular approach. Exactly. And that's a very good word, Eric. And that's actually the most critical advantage, being able to do modular design. This Lego kind of approach that I talked about is really allows you to build the systems in a sort of very modular and IP-centric way. And you can really scale from that. You know, you can have, you can build these systems on a product by product basis or by SKU basis by mixing and matching, deciding which SKU will have what functionality and the other SKU may have some different functionality. So all these options are available to you now, which is not feasible with the monolithic design. Let's talk a little bit about who you see as the ecosystem players in multi-die systems these days. So multi-die system ecosystem is expansive. Many companies and with many technologies and offerings all across the product ecosystem. I would divide it into, Eric, in, in two ways. You know, there's a demand side and there's a supply side of this entire value chain. On the demand side, of course, you have all the demand generators, all these semiconductor companies, or the system companies, with all the marquee names like Intel, AMD, Apple, Hyperscalers, Google, all across the HPC and data center markets. Mm. They are the ones who are innovating and, and want to achieve these greater and greater functionality products. On the supply side of the ecosystem, that's equally vast network. They are the ones who are enabling these demand, addressing this demand. These include all the IP tools, foundries, equipment providers, and the OSAD, which is outsourced semiconductor assembly and test, and many others. So many suppliers are coming together to, uh, to really cater to this increasing demand. And that constitutes the entire ecosystem. One thing I would add is that, you know, uh, as you can see, the entire ecosystem right now is majorly supercharged. There's a lot of activity going on, lots of collaboration activity. And Synopsys, from our point of view, is deeply engaged in it. And we're actually playing a critical role in this ecosystem readiness and making sure that we can accelerate its adoption for the broader community. So what are you seeing in your own customer base at Synopsys? Is multi-die system pipe dream for them or is it already being implemented and come to reality? We are seeing Multi-license are becoming a reality across many application areas. As I mentioned earlier, this is already being actively embraced and enabling the products that we use every day with examples of mobile that we had and the automotive. But I think it's just a tip of the iceberg. It's only increasing. The momentum is building up more and more. We're already tracking it within Synopsys, over 100 active multi-die designs across many applications. If you were to ask where the biggest activity is, currently it is in this high-performance computing market and the associated AI application and the server space. Again, those faraway backroom data centers that I mentioned earlier, which are creeping out everywhere and enabling all these chatbots and chat GPT applications. But you got to also remember that, you know, these same data centers and compute systems are behind all these 5G and 6G communication networks that are coming up fast. The client and the edge aspects of all these networks, they're all being enabled by 
by ultimately technologies, multi-die technology. Data center, communications, those are the ones which are really taking the forefront of it. And then soon, very close to that is the, this automotive. It's a critical growth area that we see that, you know, in the semiconductor industry in general, cars essentially are becoming the supercomputers on wheels. Not really. <laughs> if you recall, you know, the Tesla example, there's so much software which is going into the car, so much technology is going into the car that, you know, you need a strong hardware, very capable hardware to support that. And that's where the multi-die technology is really coming into the picture as well. We talked about the example of how it is really enabling all these AI training systems. A number of OEMs, of course, the automotive OEMs are jumping into it, aggressively pursuing this highly integrated multi-die system to enable their ADAS systems, which really are needed to move forward the, from autopilot kind of system to fully autonomous system. Yeah, and, and with it, a huge demand for onboard processing. Exactly. And you know, it's not really stopping the way we see this. Of course, the current demand is on these very high performance applications. But the way it's going, the benefits that multi-die technology configurability, flexibility provides, we think that, you know, the smallest of the variables and the IoT devices to the fastest and more advanced compute systems are eventually going to be adopting this. That's the way we see this, you know, that's the future. Essentially picking up from where the most law is going to leave off. Synopsis is deeply engaged and playing a lead role in catalyzing this ecosystem. And how are we doing it, you know? I want to expand on this word what does catalyzing mean? Mm. You could do it, you know, two ways. One is that you could be everything in the value chain. But I guess the bigger gain is you can make a big outside difference if you can help and enable the critical value components in the chain. And that is how what we are focusing on, what we see our catalyzing function in the ecosystem. is. If I were to double click on it, it's really developing those or enabling those crucial pathways which can accelerate the adoption. And, you know, there are many pieces to that. One is more partnerships, more collaborations. At the tooling level, the solution level, integrating the best-in-class technologies, both synopsis and third-party, playing a bigger role in all the interoperability standards that are must for ecosystem to work better. And also investing in the, all these advanced research, working with closely with many organizations. And these are some of the few key areas that, you know, we are engaged in to helping catalyze this thing. Last but not the least, we are working very closely with research organizations and even universities to incubate a lot of new developments, which we feel, you know, as we, as an industry, we embark on the multi-die design. These all will be needed to continue to feed the advances and to, to meet the demands uh, that are coming our way. It seems so critically important to be working with those universities and other research institutions that are on the cutting edge of this because of how quickly things are progressing and how swiftly we're able to ramp up new applications. Yeah, exactly, Eric. And you know, one thing we all have to realize: there's a lot of promise, and there's a but at the same time, there's a complexity. And collaboration is the way to go. End of the day, it takes a village, like they say, right? So we're collaborating with a lot of key partners and at the same time, you know, bringing together essentially all these intangibles with the tangible product solutions that we have to make sure that we provide all the etiquette solution and make it easier to go on this journey. 
I love the way you describe those relationships as partnerships rather than just a simply a customer and vendor relationship. You're truly partnering with folks to, to develop these things hand in hand together and move the industry forward. You know, we end of the day, how do we see our role? Our role is to really enable, to make sure that we provide the right assistance to our pleasing customer community as they're thinking about working, as they think about jumping, taking the leap into this multi-titles. We're working with everybody else, you know, who are some lead customers and some who are thinking now about the next products and contemplating going into multi-title design. There are lots of content and collateral that exists for 2D. But how can we build that continuity? That's what we've been focusing on. So with that goal in mind, actually, about two years back, we introduced 3 dic Compiler as a platform for 3D design. But it's not just for 3D design. It's a kind of a provides a seamless ramp going from 2D to 3D and leveraging all the investments, these collaterals, infrastructures that have existed so you don't really have to create a whole new infrastructure and whole new design platform. It's just integrated. And the other part that, you know, we have is that IP becomes a critical piece of it. You know, we focused on making sure that you have the most comprehensive IP portfolio that you need. So you can, whatever IP pieces you may need to augment IP that you have of you, we can provide that we likely have that the technology and the right spec that you need. One of the things I would add is that, you know, another industry effort or collaboration effort has been this uh, UCIE, the Universal Chip, Chiplet Interconnect Express. That's the new connectivity medium or interface. And when we talk about, you know, providing this comprehensive IP portfolio, in that context, UCIE becomes very important. And it has been a hugely exciting development. This is also an area where we actively worked with Intel, which has led this consortium, and we played a critical role in helping that advance the die-to-die format. When you build complex systems like this, one of the concerns which has always been the reliability issues which emerge. How do you ensure that a system with so many components, uh, dyes are going to be reliable throughout this life cycle. So the health and the long-term health and reliability has been a concern in general, even for the monolithic, but it becomes even more acute when you go to the multi-dye. And this is also an area where we are heavily focused on. We have a comprehensive surgical life cycle management solution for multi-dye design. So ultimately, if this is a broad area fast developing area and we're making sure that, you know, we have comprehensive investments to continue to advance the solutions and really facilitate this, this migration, this transition as this happening. We're just beginning to see the possibilities. Shaker, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your expertise. And I also want to mention your blog posts have been tremendously educational for me. And I want to provide a resource for our listeners if they would like to learn more about this topic. Where can they go to learn more? Thank you, Eric. Again, there's a lot of collateral and a lot of good information that we have compiled together for listeners who want to go in and get additional information. They can go to synopsis.com slash multidive. There really is a wealth of information there, some great perspectives, and we will have a link to that from this episode's page. Shaker, thank you again so much for being with us today. My pleasure. 
That brings another episode of EE Times Current to its end. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to our guest from Synopsys, Shaker Kapoor, Senior Director of Product Line Management. Synopsys, powering the new era of smart everything, from silicon to software. Come see your favorite editors from eetimes.com at Embedded World. They'll be at booth 3631 from March 14th to 16th. Be sure to check out our daily recap reports from our Embedded and EE Times editors posted each day of the event on the Embedded and EE Times social channels, including Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. EE Times Current is available through all the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us at our website at eetimes.com, you'll also find a transcript along with direct links to the other stories we've mentioned, along with other resources. EE Times Current is produced by EE Times. The segment producer was Lady Maya Kane. Today's episode was engineered by Taylor Marvin from Coop Studios. I'm Eric Singer. Thanks for listening.